Have you thought this through? No way will that work. Are you sure? Is there any money in that? You'll never make any money doing that. How are you going to pay the mortgage? Just get a job. Are you going to try to sell that? Why can't you be normal like everybody else? All right. Were your parents morons too? The savvy entrepreneur to the rescue. Congratulations. That really turned out well. I'm really good job. I'm getting ready. I'm ready. You know, I wish I thought of that. I never thought of anyone then. How did you do that? I'm so glad you're here. I wish I had the courage to follow my dreams. Good morning, all you entrepreneurs and small business people. You are listening to the Savvy Entrepreneur Show. I'm Doris Nagel, your host for the next hour. The show has two goals. First, to share helpful information and resources. You know, I have made so many mistakes myself over the years, and I've seen clients and friends make lots of mistakes too. And if I can help just one of you entrepreneurs out there not to make some of those mistakes, then I've been successful. The second goal of the show is to inspire. I found sometimes being an entrepreneur is confusing and often lonely. And you have no idea if you're on the right track or not, or where to turn for good advice. So every week on the show, I have guests who are willing to share their stories and their advice. And this week's guest is Susan Gidal. She is a financial astrologer, and she's going to join me this week to talk not only about the business that she's in, which is a a less traveled corner of the business world out there, but also a little bit about her journey as an entrepreneur. So Susan, thanks so much for being with me today. Welcome to the Savvy Entrepreneur Show. Well, thanks so much, Doris. It's nice to be here. Susan, let's start out by having you tell folks a little bit about your business. What exactly do you do? I'm an astrologer that focuses on financial topics. That can be anything from what market prices might do. And it also extends into looking at people's individual horoscope charts for indications about wealth potential, um, career changes, career suitability, timing for making changes, timing for when money might be rolling in and timing for when you maybe should lay low from a financial perspective. So what are some of the kinds of things, I think you've hinted at them, but maybe some specific examples of things that you help your clients with? Actually, most common is someone who is interested in starting a business and will come to me to find a good date and time to do that. Ah, interesting. It's like you get to pick the birthday of your company. Oh, and and your birthday is important. Why? Because it establishes, like for all of us, it establishes astrologically where the sun, moon, and rising sign are in your horoscope. And those three things tell you about identity, the sun, how you approach things emotionally, the moon, and the ascendant reveals what kind of outward personality you have. Well, if you can pick that for your company, then you can potentially support um, the idea that you have and 
how the company functions and operates. Ah, interesting. What what are some other kinds of things that you commonly help people with? Then on the trading world, um, I often talk with people who are interested in, in investing and are just interested to see if one, they have an inherent talent for it, which the chart can show. And then two, if they are trading the right markets for them. When you put two charts together, you can see connections between them. Um, You know how you're drawn to certain people? You are also drawn to certain markets and you do better with the ones that you are more connected with. Just like you do better with people that you have connections with. Yeah. And I find, you know, really that people are connected to their charts, even if they don't, even if they might not consciously know that. I find it really happens often where I say, you know, there's a zillion stocks to choose from, right? Um, I'm like, just give me a list of the five that you kind of like the most. And I'll take a look at those and compare the their natal horoscope versus when the stock started trading's natal horoscope and look for connections between them. And people pick often pick ones that they really are pretty well suited for. Ha, huh, very interesting. Well, talk a little bit about your background. I know you started out in commodities and uh, journalism. Talk about your journey from that to where you are today. Well, at Illinois, um, I was in the ag journalism program, which was a combined major from the ag college and the journalism school. And um, at the time, um, you know, I figured, well, I'll I'll be one of the, I'll be the farm reporter for the a local newspaper, or I'll work for one of the farm magazines, that sort of thing. Having grown up on a farm, and having a dad who would come in every day at noon and ask what's the price of corn. And we had to watch the noon TV <laughs> report to find out where corn was. I'm like, I got just fascinated with how can it change every day? Why does, why is it so important to know that every day, what can happen? And I am still fascinated by what makes prices move. So at any rate, I was in I was at Illinois in ag journalism and um, got an internship while I was in school at the Board of Trade for the summer, working for um, one of the wire services that covered the markets, and that just got me hooked. You know, I I was on the floor of the Board of Trade every day, and when I got a school, I got a job with the Commodity Futures Industries major trade publication. It was called Commodities Magazine at the time. Now. It, it was later we renamed it to Futures, but Commodities Magazine. And at the time, soybeans were the biggest market in the world. Wow. And so it was really natural for an ag journalism graduate to go work in the commodities business because it truly was dominated by the grain markets. But at some point along the way, or maybe something you always were interested in, you started learning more about astrology, right? Yeah, well, while I was at the magazine, I interviewed some financial astrologers um, because we were always on the lookout for stories about people who had 
um, different approaches to um, figuring out which way the markets were going and that sort of thing. Oh, um, interesting. And so that kind of piqued my interest. And I don't know, I just I just th- thought that was interesting. Yeah. Um, and so just kind of kept that in the back of my mind. And um, um, fast forward to the mid 90s, I was then self-employed as a uh, freelance copywriter freelance journalist, and was working with a friend of mine uh, in New York. We were very early in wanting to put up a website in 1995. Yeah, it's hard to believe. I to remember when there was a time when there weren't websites, right? I know, isn't it? Um, and anyway, to do that, I had um, seen this article in Chicago Magazine about someone, about a, an astrologer in town, um, Barbara Shermer, who helped businesses pick launch times. So I thought, oh, well, I should go see her. She's right in town. And so I did. And Barbara helped pick us a good time and date to start our website, uh, which I think worked out well because ultimately I sold it a few years later for quite a hefty sum. So I think for you, good. And then I just started seeing Barbara on a regular basis. I just thought it was interesting. And, you know, I'd see her once a year and then twice a year and then quarterly. <laughs> and you know, I just now, up when, when you, when you saw her, sorry to interrupt, when you saw her, were you consulting for your own personal guidance or mostly just to learn more about financial astrology? No, my own, but we often, we mostly talked about career things and, um, not so much financial, mostly career stuff and what was going on um, with my work and and what I was doing. And so I just kept soaking it up. And um, then one time she said, you know, you have Pluto crossing your ascendant. And I know that means nothing to anyone, but it's a big deal. If there's anything that you've ever wanted to explore or learn more about, now would be a really good time to do that. Uh-huh. And so there happened to be an astrology conference uh, out in the suburbs right around that time. And so I said, okay, well, I'm going to take it. I was back in the corporate world by then. And um, I said, I'm going to take a week of vacation and go to this conference. And I did. And I went to all the, they had a financial only track. I went to that. I furiously wrote down notes because, I, and I didn't get any of the jokes. None. <laughs> The thing is, is it's a whole world that, I mean, you're making a major pivot into a world that's, that's fascinating, which I think is probably pretty interesting for a lot of folks, even if they're not interested in astrology, because a lot of people want to start a business or pivot their career into something that they really didn't go to school for or or their job isn't related to. So I think this is an interesting story of how to start the pivot process, right? Yeah. And the interesting revelation about it was that, okay, so I took a week off of work. I went to this conference. I I just stayed out there. I didn't come home in between. And even though it was so intense because I had to pay so close attention because I didn't really understand what they were talking about. I was just a good reporter you know, I, I could I could rely on those skills to like take really good notes really fast. I came away from that intense, you know, I was in a meeting 
five to eight hours a day for four days. It was intense um, mentally, but I came away so mentally refreshed. It I didn't even feel it. It yeah. was not like sitting in on Zoom calls for hours. You were in a flow, and that's probably when you knew, huh, this is obviously something that just kind of fits with your personality and where you are right now. Yeah, and I and I still was really interested in, okay, now how do I apply this to what I do know, which is the markets? How do I answer that? Is this the answer to the question I have always had, which is what makes markets move? But I didn't really get to that point until um, it was probably four years later. There was another conference in town, an astrology conference that I went to, and I had been trying to figure out, okay, well, how do I become more of a financial astrologer? How do I move into that kind of arena? I mean, I've got a great corporate job downtown. I make a lot of money, blah, blah, blah. I enjoy that too. But then I went to this second conference a few years later and here the president of the organization stood up who was a psychotherapist, but she was a practicing astrologer. I mean, she combined the two into her day job. And I had like a little light bulb that went off. I said, I never thought I could do that. Oh, so did you start your financial astrology, I guess, consulting or advising business as a side hustle or did you at some point just make, I mean, it's one thing to learn a lot about an area you're fascinated with and apply it to your life and your current job. It's another to say, I want to do this and try to make money doing this, right? Right. And it took a little bit. I'm a Capricorn. And so the formal education route after the second conference where the little light bulb went off, I said, okay, well, I'm going to actually learn this now. And so I started a formal online program that took me a few years to get through with the intent of having a late life career shift into being a financial astrologer. That timeline got pushed up dramatically, though, when the company I was working for went bankrupt in 2011. (laughs) So all of a sudden, so much for, oh, I've got three years more to kind of get ready to do this to, okay, now what? Well, that's that's quite an abrupt shift um, because there's a lot, it's not only the substantive knowledge, but there's obviously the whole uh, piece of how to how to market, how to find clients. I mean, I I think one of the things I was going to ask you that you may have already alluded to was how did you know you, you were a good fit as an entrepreneur, but I'm guessing you were drawing upon some of the things that you learned as you, you know, you were talking about your past website and how you sold that for a tidy sum. I'm sure you, you were able to draw on some of those, those skills and learnings this time around too. Yeah, for sure. And one of the, and I had, um, I'd been freelancing for 10 years. I worked for 10 years. I freelanced for 10 years. I went back to the corporate world for 10 years and, you know, here I am again. Um, and that first round of freelancing, actually what I learned the most from that was, um, and this is pre internet mostly, um, was that the phone always rang just in time. (laughs) You know, 
if you just do the basics of staying in touch, um, picking up work uh, from whoever has some, um, and letting that lead you on to the next thing. Um, in the end, I never really worried about where the next gig was going to come from, just as I would start thinking, oh, I wonder what I'm going to do after this one wraps up. The phone would ring, and here it was, the next gig. And I'm like, and I got really comfortable with that. Huh. Um, well, so so what do you think it tells you if the phone doesn't ring? Um. I think it probably tells you that um, you're not doing the basics right or that you're just simply not on the right path. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's one of the dilemmas that a lot of entrepreneurs face, right, is at what point do you just continue to persist? You know, there, there are these stories out there, right, of the, the entrepreneur and they were on their last box of mac and cheese when, voila, the, the the big client that saved the day was came through, right? Yeah. But but then there's probably also plenty of stories like uh, my old neighbor across the street who mortgaged his house. I don't know how many other things he was in debt, but basically ended up having his house floor closed on because he just kept thinking the big break, the phone call was going to come and it just never did. So I've always been curious, how do you as an entrepreneur and, you know, maybe you putting on your astrologer glasses, how, how do you know whether the phone is going to ring in the nick of time or whether your house is going to get foreclosed on? Well, actually from an astrological point of view, there's, two ways to know. And one is, does my chart, and my essay chart, I'm, I'm, that's shorthand for your natal horoscope chart, um, that, that, which is the snapshot of where all the planets were when you were born. Mm-hmm. Um, does my natal chart support this kind of work for me? And if it does, cool. And like I say, I think most people feel their charts in some way. I think most people are drawn to professions uh, that they're suited for. Um, now I've seen some that aren't because there's there was big family pressure to do something different. But for the most part, I think people feel what it is that they are good at. So one, an astrologer can help. Or am I on the right path or not? And then two, there certainly are, are times when planets in the sky are connecting with your natal chart in a way where life is just difficult. Yeah. Yeah. We don't, none of us get through life without some of those challenges. Right. And looking at that with an astrologer can one say, Oh, you're in one of those periods. So chill or do something different. Understand that you're going through it now and it's going to be rough. And then the bright light at the end of the tunnel is it will end by blank because the transit will move on and that energy will lift. So your neighbor might have with the foreclosed house might have just not been able to hang on long enough to get through the end of a very difficult transit. Yeah. Yeah. Even or like you said, maybe he path. just didn't have some basic stuff in place or 
I don't know. It's hard to know. I, to me, that's one of the great mysteries of entrepreneurship is when do you keep, when do you keep feeding on mac and cheese, believing that the next, that phone call is eventually going to come versus just saying, you know, it's time to pivot. So I found it, I found it very, I find it very interesting that you were, you just had faith the phone was going to ring. Well, it took a while to get there, but that's what happened in the end. Um, after a few years, it's like, okay, well, I guess that just happens. Well, um, one interesting thing is that you are still learning about astrology and particularly how to apply it to financial aspects of people's lives. It's not as though you, you know, kind of went under somebody's wing and joined their business I'm thinking, or that uh, you had a side hustle where you were slowly growing this business. How how do you even find clients to help build this business? Well, you're right. When I got done with my formal astrological training, you know, and I got a diploma, and okay, I and I felt comfortable, like okay, I have I have the foundation for it. You know, it was it was very much like. Um, when you graduate from college and you're like, okay, now what um, <laughs> who am I going to work for? There right. are no companies that hire astrologers that I know of. Right. Right. There are no, you, you can't go look for a, I'm an, I'm a new astrologer. Who's going to hire me? Well, no one. Right, right, right. I I'm sure, um, you know, PricewaterhouseCoopers probably just doesn't have a, an astrology department where you could go and really hone your craft. No, not really. <laughs> now, I suspect, though, I, I do suspect, and I don't know, but I suspect strongly that there are some trading firms in New York, in particular, that do hire astrologers. But they um, would probably so, never admit it. No, they would never admit it. Um, <laughs> but at any rate, um, I probably was, I didn't know enough to do that anyway. But there was a wonderful woman in Chicago. She's since uh, moved to Florida, uh, who is a financial astrologer, Grace Morris. And she was very kind to me. I went to see her a couple times and um, she took me under her wing from a financial astrology point of view, probably more than anyone else. Um, and not that there was not that we had a lot of connections or conversations or anything like that, but she was really interested in what I was trying to do. Um, and um, she's a big name in the astrology world. So I think she probably had some influence in helping me get started on the speaking tour. Uh, the astrologers are famous for having a zillion conferences and the now a zillion webinars. Um, <laughs> so I got going on that. And my the school where I went also was supportive in terms of helping me get some exposure from a speaking perspective. So is that how you find, or at least how you found your first clients was through speaking? Um, some of them, yeah. But actually, more important, you know, my last day job downtown, I ran the marketing department for a brokerage firm. This was in the middle start and, and early times of when internet marketing was really important. Um, so I learned a lot there and applied it to my business. And honestly, search engine optimization is how I find clients then and now. I know 
how to put an SEO program together pretty well for my own little website, um, or at least good enough. And fortunately, my keyword phrase that I want to rank for is financial astrology. There's not a lot of competition for it. <laughs> ah, very interesting. Very. And so I have, I just, my site just has great SEO and I'm on page one of the Google search for financial astrology. I know that not everybody can do that. I, I've got a friend in town here who's a graphic designer. Okay. Well, he's going to have a road to hoe. Yeah, right, 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 <laughs> From right. SEO perspective. What don't financial astrologers do? I mean, and at one level, it strikes me that financial decisions are often intertwined with your personal situation. You know, I was poking around on your site to prepare for interviews like I always do. And I saw you had a recent blog post about the war in Ukraine and politics, which also can affect financial things. So what kinds of things don't financial astrologers get into? Top of the list for me is relationships. I have, ah. no, I have no interest in talking to you. Is my uh, husband cheating on me kind of thing? Yeah. No, I, none. Am I going to get married? I, I don't know. I don't care. Right. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> so relationship issues, I stay away from. And medical things. You know, for friends, I will take a look at a chart and try and pick a, a favorable time for any kind of important medical procedure. Um, but I don't do that professionally. And same with relationships. Okay, well, if my very best friend in the world wants to know what's going on, okay, I'll take a look at the chart. But those two things for sure, financial astrologers don't take a look at. But, you know, certainly... Um, when I work with someone, if I see something big in the chart and sometimes, and it's, and it can be related to real estate, actually, there are big signatures that often pop up when people make big physical moves, buy and sell a house, change countries. I'm surprised at the number of people that come to me who have actually moved across the world like several times. Oh, wow. And <laughs> I'm like, wow. I live 150 miles from where I grew up. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm curious about your client demographic. I mean, are most of your clients local? Are they international? Are they older people, younger people? Are they repeat clients? How have you found your your client base? Um, well, God bless the internet. And God bless Zoom. <laughs> I have clients from all over the world. That's um, amazing. So this is not like your little house that you sit out and people you drive by and people say palm readings, you know, twenty five dollars. This is this is not that. No. Um, now, when <laughs> I started seeing my astrologer in Chicago in the mid nineties, it was it was difficult to have clients elsewhere because you often met in person and you know people did phone calls but it's, that's hard i think in uh for an astrological reading i do think there's a lot of um, information that can be exchanged when you're actually looking at each other whether that's in person or over zoom so 
like I said, God bless the internet and Zoom. Most of my clients are from the United States because we're in similar time zones and plus there's just more people here. But I've had people from Australia, UK, Singapore. I don't think anybody from South America, although South Americans here, yes. Canada. Amazing. Europe. Yeah. So what do these people seem to have in common? I mean, what, what makes someone more likely than not to seek advice from an astrologer? Um, well, one, you have to start with someone who is interested in astrology to begin with. Yeah. You know, so you're, you're not trying to educate people on the benefits of astrology, basically. No, no. Yeah. Someone else has to do that. <laughs> yeah. But so they've taken that step already for whatever reason, and then have gone down the rabbit hole enough to say, oh, financial astrology. I wonder if I can apply this to my investments. I wonder if I can apply this to my business. Is there such a thing as financial astrology? And like I said, then they start Googling and they learn more and they find me and here we are. Oh. But most people that I have talked with don't come in. They, they come in with um, at least a smattering of understanding about astrology, if not very advanced. But once again, they've all taken that next leap into applying astrology into a particular area of their life, not just the overall perspective that you might get when you have just a, a regular reading with the all-purpose astrologer. Well, how, how did you know how to price your services? I mean, there aren't many of you, so there's that. But at some point, you could probably easily price yourself out of the market, I guess. How, how in the world did you figure out how to do that? Well, you know, like any kind of pricing sort of thing, you take a look at what the competition's doing. And in my case, there were other financial astrologers who were doing consultations and work. And so I looked at what they did and astrologers in general, what do they charge? But it was very much like um, when I was a freelance copywriter, I could charge by the word, I could charge by the hour, I could charge by the project. Yep. Kind of depending on what the client preferred. But to when I was pitching a, a job, I would kind of calculate it out all three ways. And they all ended up really pretty much the same price, or you could get them, you could understand kind of the ballpark you were in. Gotcha. Um, and same here. Um, although in the end, I decided um, that my prices would always be associated with the uh, horoscope. So. Um, wow, that's an interesting. Pr I don't think I've ever seen that as a uh, pricing strategy in any marketing art. <laughs> well, um, so, you know, the big degrees and angle transit angles in, in a horoscope chart are there's 360 degrees in the entire circle. So 360 is a number I use. Half of that is 180, a quarter is 90, um, one sixth is 60. And so I kind of put those different numbers together to come up with pricing. And I got that idea from um, a friend of mine way, way, way back, Bob Prechter, 
who wrote the Elliott Wave Theorist newsletter back in the 80s and 90s. And he priced his newsletter at a Fibonacci number. Uh, <laughs> okay, that's another that's another uh, approach that I haven't seen in many articles about marketing and pricing your services. Yeah, he, he charged 144 a year, I think, um, <laughs> for his newsletter. And I asked him about it. I said, Bob, that's kind of an odd number. And he says, yeah, but it's a Fibonacci number and I like it. And so um, that's the way I use it. <laughs> No, I, th- I just picked that up and, and applied it to my astrology thing. That's pretty funny. Uh, what are some of the most common misconceptions people have about what you do? Um, I think the biggest misconception is that any kind of astrologer, financial or otherwise, is in the prediction business. We cannot say this is absolutely going to happen next week, next month, next year. But what we can say with clarity and authority is that here is what's we can describe the energy that is coming up and the character of the energy based on the planets involved and the signs therein and their connections with other planets. Now, how you choose to use that energy is up to you. And there is always a high road expression a low road expression. What does that mean? It means that if you are aware of this energy that is coming um, and could put it and find the positive, useful purpose for it, it, you can get through it easier than if you are typically unaware that it is coming. Uh. And um, the unaware, unconscious response is typically the low road. I see what you're saying. For example, my um, Pluto conjunct the ascendant from before that my uh-huh. astrologer was telling right. me about. Pluto takes 248 years to go around the entire horoscope chart. So, Oh, my gosh. You will never have every transit of Pluto to any of your planets, but... Crossing the ascendant, which is your one of the primary factors that you look at in the horoscope chart that identifies who you are and how you express to the world. Pluto crossing the ascendant can transform your identity. Pluto transits, and, and, and there's horror stories about Pluto conjunct the ascendant, about people's houses burned down, or they were in the most horrific accident, and it changed their life. Both, you know, big things that change your life. Pluto's job is to transform, to take away what is no longer needed in order for something new to come up. It's very Phoenix-like. Well, it'd be interesting. Actually, my house did burn down about five years ago, and a whole bunch of bad things happened, so it would be very interesting (laughs) to see if Pluto had something to do with that. It It very well might have, and I would be happy to take a look at that for you. (laughs) (laughs) Very, very interesting. Well, You've got to have some success stories, things that you were proud of or that um, really made you feel good and you know you made a difference in a client's life. Can you, to the extent you can talk about that, share a a story or two? Um, Well, from a market perspective, um, one of the really first big 
international stages I had speaking wise was here in Chicago in 2018 and where I kind of, you know, I was, had arrived in my head in terms of um, (laughs) being accepted in the astrological world. And I gave a talk on um, the commodity markets, which is what I specialize in uh, from a research perspective. And um, I was talking mainly about the Dow Jones uh, industrial average and where it might go and that sort of thing, even though uh, that's not, it's a, that's stock oriented, not commodities, but the end I tossed out, okay, well, and here, I think the gold market is going to make a big high potentially, you know, a year from now, fall of 19 or whenever it was. And Um, way, way out there because there was a huge, huge um, transit coming up to the first trade gold chart. Someone who was at that talk got a hold of me after that had come and gone, after this gold projection had come and gone and said, impressive. You were within two days of that high more than a year out. So that was really good from a market perspective. And I will say that at the top in 2020, I was within a couple of days of that top as well as the low in March. Hopefully there are clients who listen to you that uh, were able to take advantage of those. Well, I hope so. And, but, you know, I don't make buy and sell recommendations. I'm not registered as a financial advisor or as a commodity trading advisor. And so, you know, all I, all I want to say is I think that astrologically, there's the potential for a higher low around these times. And I've seen so many happen on the exact date of the transit that I just presume that that will be the date. And, you know, I've tracked it and it's very bell curve. You know, there's about 10% that are right on a lot that are in the middle that are within a couple days. Wow. And that's pretty, from a statistics perspective though, that's pretty good. And then another 10% where I'm just like completely wrong. (laughs) <laughs> wrong well, direction, wrong date, uh, missed everything. <laughs> well, and so, um, what are what are the things that happened where you just were completely wrong? You just there was some other aspect you didn't think about, or some other force that is beyond the astrological charts that influence things. Um, no, it's typically it's because I wasn't paying enough attention to what the moon was doing. Oh, interesting. The moon can be uh, the final trigger. And I counted on the bigger planets and the bigger connections to overpower that. Oh. And I'm typically way off. And why is the moon so powerful? Because it's close and it's, it has such a big gravitational pull on the Earth? Exactly. See, you're, you're on it. Well, I, I just know it from an astronomy perspective. I yeah, love, no, and that's I exactly love astronomy. It. Yeah. That's exactly it. It has influence on a very quick basis. You know, the moon goes through all 12 signs once a month. Pluto goes through all 12 signs in 248 years. (laughs) So the moon just moves quickly. And so it go, it touches every planet in every chart once a month. Yeah. It's, you know, it'd be interesting to, to learn about, and I'm sure you've probably seen things about how the moon has influences on things way beyond what people think. I mean, it's interesting because anybody who's been 
near the ocean when uh, when the tide is coming in knows you, you best need to pay attention. It can have a pretty significant effect on, you know, where you're camped out or what you're doing uh, or even whether you can get out of a place fast enough. People and people who are fishermen obviously know very clearly how much influence the moon has on the tides. And yet uh, we don't think very much as people, if it has that kind of an influence on the ocean, it probably has an influence on lots of things. And what are those influences that maybe we're not even aware of? Well, exactly. And that was what, what you just described is why I think astrology is absolutely valuable and legit because if the moon can move the ocean twice a day why does it not have an effect on us who are 70 percent water it must it absolutely must yeah and so how do we capture that how do we define it how do we use that to our advantage and you know just last week you know that big container ship that was stuck in um, chesapeake bay yeah I heard on the news that they targeted the full moon when the tide was higher to be the day where they really tried to get it released. And Ah. they did. And they were they were targeting the full moon. Yeah, that totally makes sense. Yeah. Well, talk about your business journey. What have been some of your biggest challenges in setting up and and growing your financial astrology business and how have you overcome some of those challenges well um or maybe you haven't had many challenges because you read your charts and, <laughs> and they were all very successful no i just kind of jumped in you know i got thrown into the fire um because of the my bankrupt company. Yeah, that um, will do it, won't it? Yeah, that'll do it. You know, I I think it probably would have been easier if I'd had those extra three, four years to kind of work on the side hustle part of it, uh, to kind of build up slowly um, to the point where you could make that nice gliding transition. Yeah, that's what we all hope for, right? The uh... Yeah, no, I never did that. A nice glide path. Yeah, and that doesn't work out for a lot of us either. So, yeah. So I I don't know. I just kind of hung in there. You know, I'm a Capricorn. I just kind of, okay, well, this is what I do. I'll keep following the right paths. I call them, I you know, like I see like little flags in the road in front of me and I, I just follow them if they make sense. Well, I, so, I just follow them. So what kind of challenges though did you face? Was it just finding a steady, manageable, steady influx of clients? Or are there, I don't know, are there aspects of doing people's charts that can be automated through software investments? Uh, Give us a glimpse into what that's like. Well, there certainly is software. I couldn't be an astrologer without the software. I'm I'm absolutely in awe of ancient astrologers who did this kind of work without software. So yes, software. It's not in the big scheme of things. It's not expensive. The bigger thing for me is was um, and still is actually is being the one person shop. Oh yeah. Which hat am I wearing today? Am right. I the marketing director? Yes. Or am I the salesperson? 
Right. Or am I the content provider? Or the, the doer, the worker bee, you know? Yeah. Yeah. That's always a challenge. Um, well, and I don't know about you, but when I was consulting, I had the challenge, even, even if you consider my little radio show a little business, you know, I find that it's interesting. There are times when I have to really work to find clients and there are other times when it's just an avalanche and I am like, wow, how am I going to manage all this? I, uh, the challenge would be, it seemed like everything came at once. And then I was terrified. I, how could I get it all done and make all these clients happy? And then crickets would chirp, you know? Right. Right. I had one of those periods a year ago, January, February, March of 21. In the middle of the pandemic. In the middle of the pandemic. Well, um, of course, that would happen. Yeah. And I have an online calendar set up that works pretty well that I had completely wide open. You could book me anytime for, you know, anything. <laughs> and what I learned, I, I just had too much work. I was exhausted and I didn't have time to do what I wanted to do. There was so much demand on my time from clients. Well, and also you find you you can't always do a good job with that many when there's too many. Yeah. And so what I learned was to shut my calendar down, my online calendar. Um, and I also had a very needy client last year who was just really demanding of my time. And I'm like, oh, my God. <laughs> I, wondered, I-, I wondered about that because I could envision in your business having – Somebody who just is like, well, what about this? Well, what about this? Well, what about this? And takes up a lot of time and energy, but then suddenly goes away. And then you're like, okay, that wasn't, that's not so good for my business. Yeah. Well, and it's not good for me. It was, it was too draining really. So last summer I just decided I'm taking the summer off. I'm not doing anything. I'm going to work on my research. I'm going to work on a book I want to do next. I'm not doing any client work June, July, August, from Memorial Day to Labor Day. And it was mainly because I needed to get rid of this needy client. <laughs> I had to be able to say to her, listen, I'm just not doing anything. So. <laughs> Hopefully you got a lot of work on your book done. What's your book going to be or is it about? Well, um, I didn't actually get a lot of writing done on my book, although I did start chapter one. Well, the signs were probably not lined up for that. No, you're right. And I think I was. That's probably true, actually. Yeah. I'm writing a book about the air economy. Yeah, I I saw that on your website. And I honestly, I didn't even know enough to ask an intelligent question. never heard of the air economy. So now I've walked right into it. You have to tell us what that's about. I am happy to because it's important for all of us to know. Jupiter and Saturn make conjunctions every 20 years and are the two planets that you look at from an economic basis for economic cycles and business cycles. So Jupiter and Saturn have been making conjunctions in Earth signs since the mid-1800s. Um, which means that from the mid-1800s until the end of 2020, the economies economies the world over were focused on things of earth, things ah. that came out of the earth, oil, gold, yeah. um, minerals, whatever. Physical things, mm-hmm. manufacturing stuff. Yeah, and that's true. That was the industrial era, and yeah. uh, certainly 
the big area of petroleum dependence? Mm -hmm. We are, as of December 20, 2020, Jupiter and Saturn made a conjunction at zero degrees of Aquarius, an air sign. They will make conjunctions in air signs for the next 199 years. Wow. So we have moved into a 200-year period where economies the world over will value things of air, ideas, intellectual property, mm. global internet. community, yeah. the internet, technology. Yeah. Telemedicine, tele, wow. Yes. Yeah. Yes. So what I want to write about in the book and what I want everyone to know is that we've shifted into this new paradigm of what is important economically and whatever you can do to be more aligned with air things is good. Well, um, certainly with climate change, uh, anything you can do to be less aligned with earth and petroleum, <laughs> probably, probably good for all of us. Exactly. And, and I really, I kind of cracked up um, when COVID started in 2020 because that was an airborne disease. Oh, yeah. And it pummeled the economy starting in February, March of 2020. Well, it pummeled the earth-based economy. Yes. Like petroleum, but things of the air started taking off. More and more Zoom meetings, right? Yes, exactly. And so, I, I you know, I... I, I think the universe has a sense of humor. And so <laughs> here's COVID that, you know, how Pluto's been trying to transform business and government since 08 in Capricorn. It moves into Aquarius in 2024, will transform technology. But anyway, so we're at the very end of this supposed big transformation in how business and government work, ah. Pluto perspective. Wow. So here comes COVID, an airborne thing. Um, Ushering in the air economy. Yeah. Interesting. Very, very interesting. Well, we're almost out of time, but a couple last questions. You know, you've been an entrepreneur really two or maybe three or more times over. You know, there, there's no doubt lots of people like you out there with talents who've dreamed of doing something Something like you've done, um, you know, taking their talents, making a business out of it, or at least something that earns them money, but maybe they don't have the courage to start. What advice would you offer them? Well, of course, I think figuring that out from an astrological perspective would be helpful. <laughs> but that's not to say that I think, you know, everybody has to go have a consultation with an astrologer to do that. From a practical standpoint, I really think start small and on the side while you can. Yeah. I didn't have that luxury. And I just kind of started from zero just with nothing. Yeah. And that's tough. It is it'd tough. Be, it'd be easier to have built it up on the side a little bit, be intentional about having the finances to get through that first year yeah. when there are no clients. Well, I always tell people it costs, it'll probably cost more than you think or take longer than you think, or maybe both. Both. <laughs> <laughs> says, says someone who's experienced it. Yes. Yeah. So just be prepared for that. 
Yeah. Um, and I know that's harder to do say than to do than to say. It is hard. I mean, we all read about the great quit, the great resignation, people's interest in entrepreneurship and having their own business is higher than ever. But and and certainly a lot written about younger generations and their impatience and lack of willingness to compromise, wanting to do the right thing, wanting to follow their heart, all admirable things. But then there's the practical piece, which sometimes says, maybe sucking it up for a little while is not a bad idea. <laughs> while, while you get your ducks in order to help make your, your transition a lot easier. Yeah. And I've never, um, I never went to the bank and said, you know, I need a loan. I'm going to start this business, blah, blah, blah. Because I didn't know that I could pay that back. Right. Um, but, or whether you get a loan for a lot of us, right? Yeah. Yeah. You know, I have paid attention, you know, to shows on TV and be, over the decades, how do, how do people start businesses? And in the end, I think what I realized it is that it would be really nice to have a sponsor, uh, <laughs> yes. a financial mentor. Yes. Someone who believes in you enough to make sure you can get going and is there to help pay the bills either personal or business wise um, so that you have, so that you aren't freaked out. Yeah. How am I going to, how am I going to pay the mortgage next month? Right. Well, I certainly wish I had found that, but um, yeah, I, me too. I, until I do, <laughs> I'm going to soldier on. So uh, last question for you, what's the best way for people to get in touch with you and learn more about your services? Um, go to my website. It's easy. SusanGoodell.com. You want to spell that for folks? Um, S-U-S-A-N-G-I-D-E-L.com. Great. Um, and there's a contact form on the website there is you can or you can just send me an email directly at susan at susangoodell.com and i will say there's lots of content out there that's worth taking a look at if folks are interested you've got you know a nice library of resources and blogs and things like that that are i think very interesting so <laughs> i encourage people to check out your website Thanks. So, uh, Susan, thanks so much for being with me today. It was really interesting learning about astrology, something I really don't know very much about, and for joining me and sharing a little bit about your journey. Well, thank you so much. It's been fun to chat with you and nice to reconnect. It, it is. It is. And I want to say thanks to, to all my listeners. You're the reason I do this. You can find more helpful information and resources on my consulting website, which is globalocityservices.com, as well as my new radio show website, thesavvyentrepreneur.org. And I'll be increasingly moving over things of use for entrepreneurs and business people like uh, blogs and tools and uh, podcast archives of this show and other shows. My door is always open for comments, questions, or suggestions, or just to shoot the breeze. I'd love to hear from you. Email me at dnagel, N-A-G-E-L, at thesavvyentrepreneur.org. Now, be sure to join me again next Saturday at 11 a.m. Central, noon Eastern. But until then, I'm Doris Nagel, wishing you happy entrepreneuring.